Well, good evening. I'm going to uh, start as close to 6.30 tonight just to take advantage of our time together tonight and allow uh, Emmett and uh, Fashid to be able to share with us. I look forward to, since I've met these men, I've looked forward to having them here with us to be able to share their testimony, share their story, and and uh, my prayer is that, uh, that we would... Uh, uh, just be able to listen and see God at work, uh, how he's at work in our community and others' lives, and, and I'm thankful for these men. So I'm going to have a word of prayer, and then I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Emmett. We're going to close tonight with some prayer uh, for those uh, prayer requests and stuff, but uh, I'm going to I'm going to start uh, with prayer, and, and I'm going to turn it over to Emmett uh, here in a minute, okay? Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for our time together. Lord, I pray that uh, tonight you would be with Emmett and Fashid as they share their stories. And God, I'm thankful for your grace and your mercy. And God, just how uh, you've been at work in these men's lives. Uh, I thank you for their story of you at work. And uh, God, I pray that you would be with us, that we would be challenged tonight to know that you are at work all around us, that we would be obedient and just uh, and sensitive to your leading as we uh, reflect you and as we tell others about you uh, in our lives. Uh, Father, we love you, and it's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Well, guys, I'm going to introduce you. This is Emmett, and uh, Emmett grew up here in South o Southwest Oklahoma City. I've left kind of just more of uh, uh, him to be able to share his testimony because he's going to share, And uh, but he grew up here in Southwest Oklahoma City, um, and uh, Emmett shared with me the other day that uh, if we went door to door, people probably wouldn't open the door to him and stuff, so but uh, I am so thankful for Emmett and his grace story and how God's at work. He has uh, started, planted a church out in uh, um, uh, Watonga uh, with uh, Native American students. So anyways, Emmett, come up and, and look forward to you sharing tonight. Can you hear me? <laughs> okay. Um, my name is uh, Emmett McKenzie. Um, I'm nervous. Um, as, as always, you know, whenever I go and speak in front of people, two people, about what God's done in my life, and especially when I start preaching, um, many people look at me and like, man, you're not a preacher, whatever. Uh, and I'm like, well, God has called me. Um, you know, and people say, <clears throat> well, you got tattoos on your face. I'm like, well, the, the, that demon, that demon that Jesus cast out, Legion, Jesus cast out that demon, and, and that man, he wanted to go and, and follow Jesus, but Jesus told him, no, you go and tell others about what I've done for you. You see, and, I, and, I, and that's, that's part of what, what my testimony is, man, and I, I just, I'm thankful for God's grace, God's forgiveness. Um, I'm going to give you a um, little bit of uh, whenever I was growing up here in uh, Oklahoma, South Oklahoma City, southeast, southwest, my mom, they call her a nomad. She would move here every six months, move there every six months, um, you know, and I was changing schools. I couldn't make good friends. So um, <clears throat> my dad wasn't in the picture. Um, you know, growing up, my mom, she was an alcoholic. My dad, he left when I was six, seven. Um, you know, and I don't, I don't want nobody's sympathy. Just, and, and we live in a fatherless generation today. And these kids have no guidance. I didn't have no guidance. And God has called me to speak to these youth, to these young ones, and try to get them on the right path. And all they need is some direction, some kind of guidance, something that will uh, encourage them in, in, you know, in, in their way of life. Because, I mean, it's hopeless out there. I mean, I've heard of 12-year-olds killing themselves. I mean, what, what kind of world do we live in whenever 12-year-olds are committing suicide? Hopelessness. And I, I, I was there. I lived it. My mom, she got pulled over one time, um, right when I was about six or seven. Um, my dad, he already left. He, he went to Colorado. Um, we went to a foster home. She went to jail. Me and my brother and sister, we all separated. We went to different foster homes. There I was molested, I was sodomized, raped, whatever you want to call it. It, 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 was, it wasn't supposed to happen. Um, you know, and, and, and after that, you know, I didn't know it was wrong as I was a kid. You know, and as I start growing up, I realized what he did to me was wrong. 
man, and I start having these anger issues, man, and I felt like he took my manhood. When I get age 10, 11, my mom, she would be up drinking all night, all hours of the night, every night expecting me to go to school. Didn't have no guidance, man, and finally I started drinking after she passed out at 12 years old. She passed out, left, left beer in the refrigerator, and I, I went to experiment. I went and drank four beers and went to school like that. Started getting involved in gangs from a, from a neighborhood over there at a Crooked Oak um, High School in that neighborhood over there. Um, you know, my, my, my life was pretty much well hopeless. You know, I didn't think I'd live to see 16. I didn't think I'd live to see 18. I didn't think I'd live to see 21. And then I started to live to see 25. Selling drugs. Doing all these wicked things in my life. I didn't know. I was trying to fill a void in my life. Age 18, I tried to take my own life. By age 16, I was already manically de depressed. The doctors told me I was manically depressed. They gave me Zoloft, Trazodone, 100 milligrams of Trazodone a night. I had a script for 30 of them. I was drunk, mad at the world. I asked God, why, why would he let something like that happen to me? All these angers and all, all these emotions, it, it just came. And, man, I went and popped 3,000 milligrams of trazodone. I tried to kill myself. The doctor went to the hospital. The doctor, when I woke up, I was in a coma for like three days. And the doctor was like, what was you doing? What was you thinking? And I just kind of shrugged it off, you know. I don't know. He goes, let me tell you something. God's looking out for you. God's got something in store for you. He goes, you should be dead. He said, he said we, we, we hit you with a defibrillator a few times. We lost you a few times. And then two years later, at the age of 20, I did the same thing with the same amount of pills. A different doctor told me the same thing as well. He said, God's got something for you. I kind of laughed it off. I was, after, after the age of 20, 21, I started getting involved with them. Um, I was already doing coke by the age I was 13. At the age of 21, I was introduced to methamphetamines. And that really nosedived my life. I was with a girl for seven years. Um, I was supposed to marry her. She didn't want to get married. She didn't want to step away from from, from all the drugs and from Oklahoma City, and I was ready. I was tired of tired of getting shot at, watching my friends die, watching my friends get shot. It was just over and over and over, what you call insanity. Doing the same thing over and over and over again. And I, she gave me an ultimatum, the girl I was supposed to marry. She told me that, if we were going to, that we were together for so long that she wanted to get married. And she said, you promised me we'd get married. You promised me we'd get married. She goes, if we're not going to get married, then we're done. And I was already up, I was already fed up with the drugs. I was already fed up with the gang. I was already fed up with, with, with running from the police, in and out of jail. And I told her, I gave her my own ultimatum. I said, if we get married, we're going to go before a holy God. But I didn't tell you guys that growing up here, South, uh, I went to Southwest Baptist um, on our buses. And I had heard about God. I, I knew who Jesus was. I just did not surrender my life to him. I had been baptized. I thought I was saved, running around this whole time. In 2011, made my decision. She didn't want my, my, my ex my ex-girlfriend ex-fiance, she, she didn't want to leave Oklahoma City. I told her, I said, let's leave. I said, we get married, we're moving out of town. I said, let's start over. She didn't want to. I said, well, I'm, I'm going to leave with or without you. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm done. You know, for, for being with somebody for seven years, that was the hardest thing that I've ever done. We slept in abandoned houses together. Her family didn't like my family. My family didn't like her her. And I mean, it was just, it was just chaos. 
You know, and I was filling myself with drugs and alcohol, man, and I would go to AA meetings, NA meetings, man, and I would still end up drinking. I would still end up smoking marijuana. I would still end up doing the same thing over and over. But little did I know, God had a plan for me. You know, I called my dad, or had gotten in contact with my dad, and, you know, through the years, and he would send me money, and I would tell him, hey, dad, I, I'm, I'm going to try to straighten up, you know, send me some money, help me with my rent, help me, help me with my bills. Um, you know, I'm going to get it right this time. You know, and this one time I did call him, and he finally said, son, I asked him 50 bucks to get to Tulsa, because I cried to my mom. I said, mom, I'm feeling suicidal again. I said, Look, I'm supposed to get married. We sent out the invitations. We had the church. We had the, we had everything. And I, I talked to my dad, and I said, Dad, I said, uh, I'm, I'm ready to give up. I'm ready to quit everything. And I cried to my mom. I was drunk. I said, Mom, find me somewhere to go, please. I turned 18 in a rehab, Choctaw Nation Recovery Center in uh, Tallahena. And that was my first option. I said, find me somewhere, Mom. I said, please. So she found Brookhaven in Tulsa. It was there. It was there. I was planning on going back. I had planning on coming back to Oklahoma City. <clears throat> so while all that was going on, I called my dad, and he said, son, he said, is this, he goes, you tell me that you're going to change your life all the time, and I send you money. Is this going to be the time? And it broke my heart because, for one, he he never been there for me. Two, it was 50 bucks. I, I needed just that amount to get to Tulsa. He sent it to me. I got on the bus. My ex-girlfriend, she, she went and she dropped me off at Greyhound bus station. Didn't even... You know, you see in the movies, you see them people waving at each other because they love each other. And then, you know, they're waving by on, on the bus. And she dropped me off and left. The bus wasn't even there yet. You know, and, and man, that's when it started really hitting, sinking in. Started sinking in real deep. So we started passing Frontier City, man, and I started to get up. I started to get up and grab my bag and say, hey, stop, bus driver. And then as I was standing up, the guy in front of me, he said, hey, man, you want to watch a movie? I'll never forget his face. He had two different colored eyes. I believe it was an angel sent from God. Being nice, being the person I am, I went, yeah, I'll, I'll watch a movie with you. So I sat down and we watched 10,000 B.C. By the time that movie was over, we were pulling up at the, at the um, Greyhound bus station in Tulsa. It was too late. Well, I got to the rehab. Um, you get a lot of addicts together. You get, you get a lot of, a lot of um, alcoholics together, and they don't have their fix. And, man, there's going to be problems. We were there co-ed. It was co-ed. Um, boys and girls, they had girl side, and then they had the men's side. Um, they had chapel in the morning, and they had chapel in the evening before we had intense classes. I mean, they were intense. All through the day, we had classes, but something was drawing me to that chapel. It was God. I even went in and re thought I rededicated my life. Went in every session and about that very first earthquake in 2011 in Tulsa, around the area, around that time. That next day, my roommate had something, said something stupid to me when we were in the wreck in front of all these girls. And he was trying to be funny or trying to, trying to show out. You know, my, my solution was to fight. I mean, I, I mean, I'll scrap, you know. Um, I told him, I said, just meet me in the room, dude. I said, we can handle up. He's like, I don't like to talk. I don't like to argue. He's like, come on. So I went in the room, man, and I was sitting there, and I started punching the walls. I ran this way, and I punched this wall, and I ran back this other side, and I hit my head in the wall, and I ran back this side and hit my head in the wall. Man, and the Holy Spirit just came upon me. And I was thinking, man, why am I so mad? What, what, what am I so angry for? And I was recalling the time I got molested. I was recalling the time that my mom, all them times that she was drunk. My dad was never there for me. That's what I was mad about. I was doing all these drugs to fill up that void that was in my heart. I had nothing to fill that. At that moment, man, I dropped to my knees. 
I asked Jesus in my heart, I asked him to forgive me for all my sins. I cried for an hour on my knees on the bed. Went through every sin that I could ever think of. And I told God, help me forgive my mom. Help me forgive my dad. Help me to forgive that guy that did that to me so I can move on. I said, God, just take this from me. Take it. I don't want it. I don't want to hold on to this no more. Man, my whole life changed. My life has never been the same. I haven't touched alcohol since then. I haven't touched drugs since then. I went to Tahlequah. I had plans on going back to Oklahoma, coming back to Oklahoma City, but I didn't. I had family that lived in Tahlequah, and that's originally where I was going to go if me and my ex, ex-girlfriend got married. You know, and, and from there I started growing. I started growing spiritually. A year later I was teaching discipleship training for the church. I was doing youth Sunday school, which I told them I didn't want to. So them kids in there know more than I do. I said, they grew up in church. And they were like, here, here's the book. My wife, she has, uh, she's about to give me kidney transplant. She goes, he said, God's going to use you. He said, you know why? I said, why? He said, because you're faithful. You're here every Sunday morning before everybody gets here. You're here every Sunday evening before everybody gets here. You're here every Wednesday. He said, you've been going three straight weeks to revivals hit every day. He goes, God's going to use you. You know, I ran from my calling for a year and a half. I surrendered to preach three years ago at Falls Creek. Um, Been out on Watonga planting a church. Um, I'm almost, um, let's see, nine months, going on ten months planting. Baptized 22 people there, youth, and uh, um, adults, um, we're slowly growing. It's 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 a hard process, but still pressing forward. God knows what He's doing. He's the miracle worker. I'm not. He's the one moving in people's hearts. I'm not. But um, I'm I'm grateful to be here. Um, just pray for us and our church plant. Thanks, Emmett. All right, I'm going to let Rashid be able to share here, and then I'm got some questions to be able to share with these guys. Praise the Lord. Wow, what a testimony. <laughs> I'm so grateful for the Lord that we are here always. And we gather here in his house to worship him and to give all the glory to him, to him alone. You know, in Psalm uh, 139, verse 15, he says that he knows us from our mother's womb before our bones get together. So he knows you, he knows us, he knows each one of us. He has called us. Uh, my name is Pashid Amin. I'm from way away from here. <laughs> I'm from Iran, uh, in Middle East, if you don't, some of you, oh, you call it Iran. <laughs> we call it Iran. Uh, I grew up in Dubai, and uh, in Dubai, you know, there are several different nations, and when, during the time that I was in Dubai, I had uh, friends from all over the world, and so most of them, I could say, they were Christians. And during the year, uh, age of 16 to 20, uh, unfortunately, I couldn't see my dad. Uh, my dad was involved in some uh, political activities in Iran, and they kept him the new uh, government, the authorities in Iran, they kept them, they didn't let them leave the country, so my dad was, wasn't there for us. And it, we went through a lot of uh, troubles, and my friends, uh, they gathered around us, and some of my friends, they were, as I said, they were Christians, so they used to take us to church, and we used to go to church with them. And I remember it was Catholic church, and it was Protestant church, I remember even I was wearing white, long dresses and standing there singing worship with them going to Sunday school everything then uh, in the age of 20 1986 I went to Iran to visit my dad uh, because he couldn't leave the country and they didn't let me leave the country too (laughs) so I stuck in Iran and I had to go and do my army service at that time Iran was in war with Iraq 
So I had to do my army service, and uh, after that, I started uh, studying and at the same time working with my dad. Uh, during that time, again, uh, one day my dad came home, and he told me that he went to the Trading Bank of Iran and applied for a loan for our business. And he found out that the director of the bank is a Christian guy. So he told him about his son, me going to church in Dubai, and the guy is very excited. He wants to meet me. He said, Ashit, I want you to go there and get friendly with him and so we could get the loan. <laughs> I said, okay, Dad, no problem. You have that loan in your pocket. I said, okay. Next day I was in the bank. I went and I started talking with the director. His name was Khajiturian. He was an Armenian, Iranian, Armenian, Armenian Christian guy. He was one of the deacons of the Central Church of Iran. And when I explained to him about the churches in Dubai and how it is and everything, he said he was surprised. He said, I didn't know that there are, there are churches in Dubai. I said, no, there are several of them, in fact. Uh, Catholic and Protestant. So we talked about like one hour over there and he was very excited. At the end of our conversation, he said, uh, he was an evangelist guy. He said, I'd like to invite you to our church. I said, okay. <laughs> the guy was shocked. <laughs> he was seeing all the letters and all the recommendations from the different ministries from my dad, from our company. And then his son, he, he talks with him for over and then invite him to church. And he's saying he's going to come. So he was very happy. He was very pleased with his approach. He didn't know what I was planning. <laughs> so I started going to church again. And that was in the age 22. I went for a while, about two or three months. And in Iran, uh, churches, they have two main services, uh, I could say at least. Uh, one is on Friday. The other one is on Sunday, because on Friday is holiday, is a national holiday, and most of the Christians that they're working with the Muslims or working in other companies, and they're not working for themselves, they don't have an off on Sunday, so they have to go to church on Friday. And they have a regular Sunday service also for Christians, uh, the one that they have their own business. So I used to go on Fridays to church in Iran. And, uh, I got ready, I was going to go out, and my dad said, Fashid, where are you going? I said, well, dad, you know, I'm going to church, I'm gonna go meet Mr. Khajiturian, as you said, to be friendly with him, he's very pleased, and we're getting very close. He said, no, you don't have to go. I said, why, what happened? He said, they reject our appeal, they're not gonna give us the loan, and I don't want you to go to church and become a Christian, so don't worry about it. I said, okay, dad, that was it. Two times in my life, I went to church before that day. After a while, after about uh, four or five years, we got into business that put us in a trouble. My dad had an interest in a very big business in Iran, and we were one of the top 10 companies. We had about 200 employees. I had about 16, 16 companies in all over Iran and in Dubai, in Pakistan, in Azerbaijan, and I was traveling all over the world. We had power, we had money, whatever we wanted. And my dad wanted to start a business that was in interest of the authorities in Iran. And he didn't know about it. As you know, in that, re that area, you know, when they're working, they don't, want, they don't put their names on, on things that the public would know they work on behind people that they put in front. So he wasn't aware of it, but I told him it's a big business. Usually they won't give it to the normal people. You won't, we won't be able to do it. But he said, no, I know the minister, trading minister, I know that minister, I know that minister, so we are good, don't worry about it. So we started. For that purpose, actually, I, I traveled to United States in 1994. It was important and uh, industry of trucks, semi-trucks. Semi so I was in here uh, talking with uh, international and uh, mock company for us to import to Iran. Uh, but that 
business put us in trouble. They made a case against us, and they put all of us in prison. And that's me, my dad, and three of my brothers. And they took whatever we had. All of a sudden, we were on the top. Now we were down below. There were no hope for us. After two months being there, I realized that we cannot do anything. No one was coming close to us. They were so scared. I mean, our lawyers, our friends, relatives, everyone just tried to be away from us because they feel the danger. Two months after being there, I realized there is no hope. But growing up in a family, you know, my dad and my mom, they always taught us that there is a God. They never forced us in practicing any religion. My dad, he used to always say to us, I, I'm not telling you what to do and how to pray and what, how to practice, I mean, your religion, your beliefs, but always believe that there is a God. In a school, I used to read in, a in Iran and in that area, usually you have a subject by name of religion and you have to study it. So during the school, I had to pray, I had to study, and I was one of the very uh, favorite teach, uh, teacher's student because I, I always raise my hand and ask questions about, <laughs> about the subject, and they loved it. So, but I never really practiced it. I had everything that I wanted, so I didn't need God. I had power, I had money, I was traveling, I was doing anything I want, and I wasn't interested in God. So I never practiced any religion before that day in my life that and everything was taken away from me. Now I was hopeless and I needed someone. I needed God. I needed him and I didn't know how to reach to him. Being a Muslim, so I started studying Quran. As I said, I grew up in Dubai, so my Arabic was good. I used to speak Arabic. I'm speaking five languages. Uh, Arabic was one of the languages, so reading Quran was easy for me. So I started reading Quran, doing the prayers. And usually when I do something, I try to do it perfectly. So a normal Muslim person prays five times a day, 17 rukat, we call it, which is a standing up, bending down, and kneeling down, and putting your head on the ground. I used to do 100. That atmosphere, that area, that prison wasn't a place for me to, uh, to communicate with others, you know. I couldn't stand the people around me. So I tried to keep my, myself safe too. That place was the mosque or the room that they used to call it mosque because they didn't want to practice any religion. <laughs> they didn't want to pray. They didn't want to go to go toward God. Most of them, I could say. So I was safe at there. At the same time, I was trying to be accepted by Allah or God. I did that for eight and a half years. Day and night, I prayed. I have come back. Uh, my background is from Shia Islam, Shia theology. And in Shia, you believe in 14 holy people that God, Allah, has created. And you have to give all your prayers to them, and they will intercede for you, and Allah or God will forgive you. So I used to give all of these extra prayers to them and asking them to ask Allah, God, to forgive me. But nothing was changing. I knew that I haven't done anything. But nothing was changing. Eight and a half years passed. One day I got so mad, I said, no, I'm not going to talk to them. I'm going to talk to him. After, it was after my afternoon prayer. I was sitting there, and my Quran was on my side. And I just said, I'm going to talk with God. I knew God is holy, holy. And I'm sinful, I have done sin, I cannot talk with him. I said, no, I'm going to talk with him. I said, God, I know you're there. You know that I know you're there. 
if no one knows about my heart, you know about my heart. You know I'm not like the, some of these people, they think they have come from nowhere for no reason and going to nowhere. I know that you have created me. There is a reason for my life, and I'm coming back to you. But God, I cannot understand. Is this your plan for my life? You know I haven't done anything. I was there for eight and a half years. I was seeing these people going and coming back. And whenever they come in, they say, oh, Fashid, you're still here? I say, yeah, I'm here. You're back. Come in, please. It was their life. It was their hobby. And I said, God, I you know I haven't done anything. My passport was showing that even I wasn't in Iran for the crime that I was accused. They gave me one year. I have all these documents. <laughs> I still have it. That's, that's the reason I'm here. United Nations, when I give all, all these judgment and everything to them, they say, what they have done to you? I said, I don't, don't ask me, ask them. I said, God, if the authorities, they don't know, if the judge don't know, if the guards, they don't know, if the people around me, they don't know me, you know me. You know, I haven't done anything to deserve this. If this is your plan for my life, tell me. I want to hear it from you. I know you can do it. I know you're there, God. I know you can show me that. Show me. Tell me, Farshi, this is my plan for your life. I will be satisfied. I will stay here all my life. No problem. Everyone in that prison, they, they knew me of all these prayers, midnight, daytime, everything. Day and night, I used to pray. So they used to come to me, ask me to pray or read the Quran for them. They used to call me Hafez, means memorizer. I memorized Quran. I, I didn't have that peace. I knew there's something wrong. But I couldn't understand it. Why? What, why I'm there? What's the reason? I said, I'm not going to do any extra prayers. I've been giving all these prayers to these people, and I start naming them with their full name. In Arabic, it's their name, their father's name, and their last name or their race name. I didn't want any misunderstanding. I say, I give this prayer to this person, I give this prayer to this person, but they're not doing anything to me, to me for me. I don't know about them, but I know about you. If this is your plan for my life, I accept it, but tell me, God. And I stop all extra prayers. Six months later, one day in the afternoon prayer, when I opened my Quran, it opened to Mary or Maryam chapter. It's a chapter in the Quran that talks about Mary, her marriage with Joseph, and Jesus' birth, and what Jesus did. I didn't see any other word in that book, and I read that chapter for several, 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 several times in my life. But that day was something else. When I opened it, I could see only that word on the top of the page, which was Mary. And all of a sudden, my memories about the church and going to church came in front of me. And I heard a voice saying to me, Farshid, you have asked everyone. No one answered you. Ask him. I knew that he's talking about Jesus. I closed my book, put it on the side. And I start praying to Jesus. I said, Jesus, I know you're there. Now, according to my knowledge at there, that time, in that prison, in that situation, I knew that Jesus is alive, he's with God, and he's coming back for judgment. Because this is what is written in Quran. I knew he's close to God. I didn't know that he's God. So I said, Jesus, I know you can hear me. I know if you want, you can do something for me. I've been to your church twice in my life but I never give my heart to you. I promise you, if you do something for me, I'm going to come to your church and give my life to you. Just like that. 
the first thing that I feel was peace. My situation didn't change. I still was in that room. <laughs> but there was such a great peace on my heart that I never felt it before that. And everything starts changing. Miracle of the miracle. I don't want to take your time. It's, it's a long story. <laughs> but miracle of the miracle. The first thing my dad got out, miracled it. I could say miracle, miracle, miracle. And then after one month, he went, he, he put a bill for, for me. I went out. And during that time, within 10 months that I was out, before I escaped from Iran, I got married with my wife. I mean, miracle of the miracle he did in our lives. I went to Turkey. I escaped. The way that I escaped to Turkey, it was a miracle. I find the church, Union Church, and I went there. And when I was in prison, you know, uh, and it's to, to this day, I do it. I mean, th that day I said, Lord, whenever I want to do something, I want to do it according to your will. So I'm going to pray for it. If you put that peace in my heart, I'm going to do it. Otherwise, I won't do it. So even for my marriage, whatever I wanted to do it, I did that. And for the church also, when I went to Istanbul, uh, Union Church, I did the same thing. I prayed, and there was such a, as if I'm, I'm walking in my own home. It felt like that for me. And they gathered around, around us when they heard my testimony, and they start discipling us. And we were in Istanbul for nine months, and then the authorities, they made a decision to uh, uh, take all the refugees to small cities so they could wash them over. They didn't know that they are spreading out the disciples. <laughs> so that's what happened. We went to a small city by name of Amosia. There were about 100 Iranians there. We, uh, there were another two believers. We gathered together. We started our house church and we started witnessing to them. 25 of them, they got saved. Uh, during the time that I was in Turkey, uh, I, got, I was blessed every day, every day. I'm so miss it. And uh, during that time, uh, I get to know different churches. One of those churches was Heritage Baptist Church in Oklahoma City. When the United Nations accepted us after four years and three months, and they sent us to the United States, uh, they sent us to North Carolina, but in North Carolina, they sent us to a very small city by name of Faith. So I, was, I, I always was saying, I have a Faith, I go to Faith Baptist Church, and I live in Faith. <laughs> <laughs> so it was triple Faith. <laughs> but there, we were the only Iranians or only foreigner, I could say, in that city. It was 2,000 population, and there was no Mexicans. Can you imagine that? <laughs> we were the only foreigners in that city. And I said to the church, I said, uh, I cannot sit in these benches, in these chairs. I have to be. I have to do what I have been called for. I want to witness. And I, if I want to witness to any Iranians or any background Muslims, which is, in, which is what I've been called to, uh, I had to travel like 45 minutes to uh, Charlotte or one and a half hours to Raleigh in order to meet with them. So it was impossible for me. So we prayed and we prayed and we traveled to different states, the churches that I knew, and they, they invite us. And then uh, we came to Oklahoma City and we went to Heritage. And I was... Uh, I had passion to start to do something, you know, to start to witnessing, to start the church and everything else. Because I knew that this is what I have been called to. Uh, but I keep hearing from God, wait, wait. And boy, he has taught me how to be patient. <laughs> so I waited for his timing because I knew if I walk ahead of him, I'm going to fall. I'm going to mess up. And then I have to turn back to him and say, I'm sorry. <laughs> Fix it for me. <laughs> so I said, it's better to wait for him. And we waited, and about six years ago, we started our church, and we gathered uh, 
some of the Iranians, some of the believers, we gathered together and we started and and he has blessed us. He has blessed us wonderfully. Now we have about uh, 52 believers that we gather every two, every week. I have an online ministry. I have disciples and uh, people that they are. They join me every week on online on Thursdays, Fridays, and Tuesdays. I have online ministry. So I have uh, believers in Iran, in Germany, and in Turkey. In Germany, I have a, a, a group of believers that uh, they don't have any pastor about 20 kilometers. That's about, uh, I don't know how many miles. Uh, I think it's about 30 miles, maybe. I don't know. I cannot change it. <laughs> they don't have any pastor around them. So they got hold of me through one of their people that were they were they were there and we meet every every Thursdays every Thursday we meet together and uh, this fr uh, this Sunday we have an online baptism one of the things that we started I think this that was the first time that uh, anyone did we did it at Heritage uh, uh, at the Turkey and that where we meet we meet right now uh, we do online baptisms in Iran and the, uh, these two brother and sister are in Iran, in the center of Iran, and uh, we're gonna baptize them this Sunday. It's a wonderful thing to see how Lord is working in our lives. And um, I'm so thankful for every moment of my life that I have given to him. And he did answer my question why when I went to Turkey, I needed to be crushed. And boy, he did it crush me. <laughs> and build again. I needed those years to learn about Islam. Because if I was outside, I would never practice Islam. <laughs> I would never sit and put time to read Quran and memorize it. There was no way for me. But when I was there, that was something that I did in order to secure myself and to understand God. And now I use that to witness to Muslims, to the people that they, they are thirsty for God, but they don't know how to answer some of the questions, how to uh, quote it. I have been, I had the privilege to witness to two mullahs, two imams, and. Uh, they give their heart to Lord. One of them is in California, and uh, the other one is still in Iran. Uh, I couldn't be doing that without having those knowledge. So I'm so thankful for what Lord is calling for us to do, and I'm, I'm sure if each one of us have a wonderful testimony of our wonderful and beautiful Lord. And I appreciate for this opportunity to share what Lord has done in my life. Thank you. I've got some uh, questions that we want to ask. You know, what? So both of you guys have talked about uh, church work. What's what's going on in your life right now? What? Uh, tell me about your church plant. Uh, what uh, is happening? Rashid, um, you shared a little bit. Uh, Emmett, if you can share what you do on a weekly basis uh, in ministering there in Watonga? Stand up here or just yeah. sit down? <laughs> Y'all can talk to my back. <laughs> just don't stab me in the back. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's a bad joke. Um, well, <laughs> well uh, whenever I am in, in Watonga, because I, I work here, I work at Elk City, Elk City um, Oklahoma City. I travel back and forth just anywhere. I paint and I do other things, but while I'm there in Watonga, I'll, I've got this revelation that's been brought to me. Um, you know, not, not directly from God, but what, what God's laid on my heart was to be short of Jehovah's Witness. I get on a bike. I don't wear a suit. I, and I have a backpack, and I go out, and I pass out Bibles, and I talk to people about Jesus in, in the community of Watonga. If you know Watonga, you, or you've been through Watonga, it's a small community, um, one street light. Um, just not very many good places to eat. Uh, 
but that's where God's called me. Um, and then, um, so I had started a Wednesday night, um, and I'm praying for a building. Um, I'm praying for a van, because, you know, I, uh, Saturday nights I do basketball ministry um, from 7 o'clock to 11 o'clock in the evening. Um, or we open a gym, kind of like what this is here. Um, and the kids, the, the students, the youth, the adults, they come and we play basketball from 7 to 11, full court, um, 5 on 5. Um, and that's where many of the salvations have been coming from, from the community, from kids, and um, Native Americans, blacks, whites, Mexicans, all of them. Um, and um, so that's basically what I do, um, witnessing, testifying. Um, I've been leading a lot of people to the Lord, just going up, just um, – it's an anointing is what I've, people have told me that I have. Um, just to open up a conversation. Um, and then just next thing I know, I'm leading to the Lord. Um, you know, it's a, it's a gift. Um, you can't learn it in a seminary. It's just something God's gifted me with. Um, you know, but uh, um, that's that's basically what I do during a week while I'm there, when I'm there. Um, so, yeah. Sorry. No, no. Thanks, Emmett. Hey, uh, and then Fashid, tell me about what you're, uh, what you see happening in the future for you and your congregation. Uh, if you didn't understand, uh, they currently are meeting at Cherokee Hills Cherokee Baptist Hills. Church. Yes, and uh, they have uh, been there for how long have y'all been there? Well, we we have been there for like six years now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. six years we have been meeting over there, but uh, I could say with full time, I'm not a full time, but most of my day. And I spending time with the Iranians and uh, the Iranian community. It's been two years now. And then uh, there's also what we've talked about is there's a large population of Iranians, uh, Muslims in close to Norman, both Mm -hmm. campuses in Norman and UCO. Yeah. And you and your family currently. And where? (laughs) And in Edmond. In Edmond, yeah. Yeah. And you guys currently live in Edmond. In Edmond, right. So uh, one of the things that uh, Fashid has been praying for is uh, just uh, uh, being able to go full time in ministry. So we're, yeah. uh, you know, just praying for that and and uh, praying for opportunities here uh, closer to Norman and uh, closer to UCO campus. Amen. So look forward to seeing what God does there. Um, but uh, one of the things that I want you guys to know that for both of these guys, uh, you're already supporting them with your giving. And I want to tell you how that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, through our state mission offering uh, that we, uh, every week that you give, there's a portion that we give uh, so that ministries like this can take place around mm-hmm. our state. And so I want you to know that already as you give, portions of your dollars are already going to support Emmett and Fashid and the ministries that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so anyways, um, that is called our uh, uh, state mission offering. Ednick McMillan offering, and uh, is just something that we participate in. And so I uh, wanted to be able to share that with you guys of, of how we do that. Uh, Fashid, how about uh, uh, you just became an American citizen. How long I mean, ago? I mean, two long weeks ago. Two weeks ago. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So tell me what your thought was there in, uh, in the Mommy, excitement there. It's a, it's a burden that was lifted from my shoulders. I mean, we've been waiting for that for a long time. I mean, the same thing happened for me. Uh, when we were in Turkey, you know, we waited for three and a half years to be approved to get a refugee status. Uh, it took three and a half years. Uh, there were several people that they came to us, and I, know I, I write letters for them and tell them they're part of our church, and they go to United Nations, and they get approved, and they go, <laughs> I still stay there. <laughs> and, uh, but then we got approved after three and a half years, and they give us, to, uh, they choose United States for us, because refugees cannot choose. United Nations, they choose which country that they should go. So at that time, United States had uh, opening, and they choose United States for us, and I had several churches already responsible sponsoring me. So that's why they sent us to United States uh, representative over there. And we went and we did the interview. There were like 75 people from all over Turkey that they came. We were a big group. And they interviewed all of us. We stayed there for three days. And then we, uh, you know, 
media made everything really <laughs> easy. We made a group so we would know what's going on with everyone. So I was getting texts from all over these people, from these people, that they got their ticket and they traveling one by one. We stayed there for nine months. The last text that I got was after two months of their interviews. And we stayed there another seven months. But during that time, I was blessed to witness to four people. You know, and the day that I, that I got the call and they said, you got your tickets and we have mailed your tickets and you can't travel, I said, Lord, I'm so thankful for these lives. I would give all my life for one of them. You give me four. <laughs> so it was all good. When we came here, we applied for citizenship. Six months later, my wife, she's sitting back there. <laughs> she got her citizenship. And I had to wait for two years. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Well... You know, uh, guys, I, I invited you. I wanted you to be able to share your testimony, but now I want to just challenge us as a church. Yeah. You know, I think uh, when we think about God being at work, uh, we think that uh, uh, that it looks like what we do and uh, where we are. And God has called us into the world, and that world is right here at our doorstep. And uh, as these guys share their testimonies and their stories, what I'm reminded of is Second uh, Corinthians uh, 5.17 that says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so as these men stand and give testimonies, uh, you and I have uh, testimonies of what Christ has done in our heart. And uh, as they're going out and, and uh, sharing and uh, being a part of new church work, uh, I want us to be praying about how God can use uh, Emmaus uh, in reaching others uh, for the gospel. And, and basically, I just want to ask us to pray. I don't have, uh, when we look at missions, uh, yesterday I sent an email out to you, and, uh, and uh, in that was a link about all the different things that are happening uh, that we can get involved in. But if you look at that list, there's a lot of different things. In fact, as I look at that list, I've looked at it a million times and think, okay, God, we've got all this stuff that we can be doing, but what are we doing to engage people with the gospel of Jesus Christ? And every one of those have give us an opportunity to go outside of these doors, to be able to meet people where they are, and uh, to do that. Uh, I think about uh, tomorrow night, uh, the more medical clinic. Uh, being there and ministering to, to people and opportunities to come alongside them and uh, different things like that. So if you look at that list, there's a number of different things. I want to encourage you to go to that link and just uh, uh, click on different things that you're interested in because what I would like to do is that as uh, um, things come to our office, uh, I'd like to just be able to share it with those, anybody that's interested in this ministry, I'm just putting it out there, and, uh, and here we go. Uh, on a weekly basis, we're getting calls about um, how we can come alongside somebody and partner with them for the purpose of the gospel. Uh, and what that requires is not just money. It requires us to be able to go. And uh, I believe that each of these different opportunities give us uh, a way uh, to be able to build relationships with those in our community for the purpose of sharing gospel stories, having gospel conversations, like him is talking about uh, being able to go out and having those gospel conversations. And I believe that uh, um, we are called to, to go, but uh, not only that, uh, but we're called to be obedient uh, in doing that. And so that's that's really what uh, I wanted to invite these guys, ask Pastor Owen, is, that, is it okay if I you know invite these guys? And of course, we... Uh, had the opportunity to meet uh, uh, Fashid and and uh, and then I met Emmett a couple weeks ago and just wanted to, you to, for us to be able to see God at work in other people's lives uh, and um, uh, and in our community. So I'm going to ask us as a church just to be praying for what God has in store for us in the future because some of this we're navigating. Uh, we, there are a number of different ministries that we can come alongside and we can be a part of and we can participate in, but I think that there's more to what God has for Emmaus. And there's more for us as we go 
and, uh, and as we share the gospel. And I firmly believe that God has is placed Emmaus in a time and a place like this that we have the opportunity to simply be obedient and let God use us in, in amazing ways. And I think, I think the only way that that happens is we just make ourselves available to him. Um, if you look on the bulletin and you look at the out and the missions, one of the last lines there, it says that uh, on any given week, we just want to make ourselves available to whatever comes our way. And I'm going to ask us of that. As we walk out these doors, you're going to have the opportunity to be able to engage people uh, on a daily basis. And may we reflect Christ and not just reflect him, but that we would begin to speak about him and we would begin to tell people about who Christ is. Uh, I want to. I do want to share just uh, some upcoming opportunities that we have the opportunity to to get out. And like I said, some of these have just come this week. Uh, we've had the the high schools. We've always partnered with the high schools and the junior highs right here around us to help feed their football teams. We're going to be doing that uh, this week. Uh, Friday night we're going to be at Southmore. Uh, next Friday night we're going to be at Westmore uh, at their schools. Uh, Tuesday night we're going to be at Southridge uh, Junior High. Just an opportunity to be able to go and serve those kids, and I want to invite you to be a part of that. Uh, Church in the Park, on Saturday, October the 20th, they're doing their third anniversary. And if you're not familiar with Church in the Park, it's a homeless ministry here in Norman, in the Norman area. And uh, they're going to be doing their third year anniversary. They're having baptisms. I want to invite you to be able to come out and, and uh, join them and uh, celebrate with them and what God's doing there. Uh, the next door, I got a call this week, uh, ch- the Children's Hope Program. Next door, if you don't understand all that's taking place there, is that uh, right now many single moms are living next door to us. And every Monday night they do um, uh, some life skill classes uh, there on campus. And they need help watching their kids uh, from 6.45 to 8 o'clock every Monday night. Uh, and uh, I told them that I'm going to share that with us. I'm planning on being there. And one of the things I requested is uh, men, uh, because these are all, they're, they're surrounded by women and men just being able to be there. And here's what's going to take place. Uh, we're going to show up. I went over there Monday night just to look at what's happening. Um, they have, they're doing all the programming. We're just showing up to help. Uh, it may be holding a baby. It may be uh, playing with some of the teenagers in the gym. Uh, but we're showing up to help. And so on Monday nights uh, from 6.45 to 8, uh, we have that opportunity to be able to come alongside our neighbors next door. Uh, so I want to invite you to participate in that. If you're interested, let me know. And uh, um, I think uh, as, as I share this, there are things that are coming our way on a daily basis. And they're coming your way, too. I hear from you about somebody that's contacted you and, and all of that. And Lord's open up doors uh, in our schools uh, to be able to go and share devotionals with teachers. And through that, uh, we're getting to see God at work uh, and opening up doors uh, for gospel conversations, being able to pray with our teachers, being able to pray for students, uh, and, uh, and doing different things like that. So basically, I just want to encourage you, let's go and uh, let's be obedient uh, to uh, what God's calling us, but specifically to be praying about even more as we engage other, our community with the gospel that we would just simply uh, be obedient and uh, the Lord would uh, guide and direct us um, because I believe there's some more there. And, I'm, and um, I'll, I'll say this, uh, after a visit with Owen and uh, making sure that we're all on the same page, uh, that, uh, that we're going to be able to come before you and just continue to share, here's what's happening, here's what's going, uh, uh, going on, uh, and uh, look forward to uh, us being able to uh, share that. Uh, I do want to let you know in 2019, we have several mission trips that are coming up. We'll be going to Panama twice, going to Calgary twice, and to going to Ukraine. Uh, and uh, if you're interested in any of those, that link that I sent out last night in the email, you can go and sign up and just show interest to that. I'll, I'll send you some information about when we're going to meet, have information meetings, and all of that. Part of what we're doing is budgeting, is trying to come up alongside our church of how we engage each other for us to be able to go. Uh, so I'm uh, just going to ask you guys uh, to pray uh, and uh, to continue to be faithful to go and that we would just simply be obedient to uh, the leading of the Holy Spirit. All right. Uh, let's uh, pray for Emmett and Fashid and their ministry. And uh, 
and pray for us as a church that uh, we would be uh, obedient as we go. So let's, uh, let's pray. Jeff Campbell, would you open us up a word of prayer? And you guys feel free to pray uh, over these men. And then, uh, Kenny, would you close us here in a minute?
God bless you. You're dismissed.